Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And we're Lost in the Sunnydale Stacks. This is the Sunnydale Stacks, where every other week we immerse ourselves in the world of Sunnydale, California and review two episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This week, we're dusting off Lie to Me and the Dark Age. We have a special guest with us this week. Yay. Welcome to the Stacks, Taryn! Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here. As a way of introducing yourself to our listeners, would you please tell us how you became a Buffy fan? Absolutely. Um, so I first heard about Buffy pretty much right after it aired, so I was uh, about eight Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I was very young. And so I have four older siblings. And when I was seven, my sister, who's four years older than me, was diagnosed with cancer. So my family was living in Rockford and my sister was being treated here in Chicago. So it was a situation where one parent was staying with her for different amounts of time while the other would be home with us. And just at some point during her, I mean, she was in treatment with chemo and radiation for over a year. And at some point during that, her and my dad just happened to catch episodes of the first season. It was just like always at kind of random times when she was awake late at night, that kind of a thing. And they just loved it. So they brought it back home. And it was kind of one of those things where I was the youngest of a lot of kids. So security was a little bit lax. And they already knew I was into like weird vampire stuff already. (laughs) So they just let me watch it. And it's like super into it from then on. So that's the, I mean, eight. So were you scared? Um, a couple of episodes, but more so, I just remember like loving it so much and just awesome. being really into it. So you were you watched like all of it in order? Not exactly. The first first two seasons, I just watched a couple of episodes. Okay. Um, then by the time the third season came around, that's when I was watching it more regularly. And the third to the seventh, I watched pretty much straight on. Uh, the fourth season, I remember, was my least devout season because. Mm. Understandable. You know, not not necessarily my favorite season, but um, for the most part, I was pretty, pretty into it. So why do you think that it spoke to you as a show? Well, I honestly, I think the time where I was watching it was very interesting because Mm -hmm. um, my sister was, I mean, I'm pretty close to all my siblings, but this sister in particular would always like read to me and she was always like, playing around with us and she was super athletic and everything and then I think part of it was not necessarily understanding exactly what was happening with her right and then being able to watch this world where there's a superhero woman who gets into a situation that she doesn't necessarily choose but has to fight all these things that defy explanation that are just and it was like kind of a a more supernatural version of what was Mm -hmm. happening in my real life I think that's why I really connected to it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's why I was especially excited to be talking about this episode today, the Lie to Me episode. Awesome. So let's head into the Sunnydale Stacks and open the books on Lie to Me. Poor little boy is left all alone in a playground. <laughs> How late is his mom at this point? Because school did not like just end or even end two hours ago. He's been sitting here for like six hours. <laughs> it, it's the middle of the night. It's, it's not like, oh, night just fell. It is the middle of the night. This is call social services time. Mm-hmm. So Drusilla shows up 
and offers to walk him home, but he knows not to talk to strangers. Except he doesn't say... Strangers. Strangers. He says, my mom told me not to talk to people. So I have further questions about his upbringing. (laughs) Don't talk to people, just dogs. (laughs) Okay, see you at 1030. (laughs) Right. Or just, yeah, no, don't talk to people because they'll find out that you have a terrible mother mm-hmm. and no home life and DCFS will just take you away. Yeah, really don't talk to people with clipboards especially because they're probably yeah. going to write notes <laughs> about how we're terrible parents. Oh, God. <sighs> uh, but luckily, Drusilla's not people. <laughs> Horrified. So it doesn't, it doesn't count. She's also yeah. not holding a clipboard, so right. safe. Yeah. All safe. <laughs> Angel arrives and tells the kid to run home. Except, <laughs> it's the middle of the night in Sunnydale. Death. Yeah, that just kid's, death. That kid's just going to be eating I mean, a block later. I know. There, there's got to be another bit. I mean, if it weren't close enough for him to walk home to begin with, that he had to wait for his mom's mm-hmm. ride, what's going to happen to him when he's yeah. running through the dark? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what the option is. Like, I guess go hide in, like, the tunnel slide and I'll come get you later <laughs> and walk you home. <laughs> but just shut your eyes and hide. Yeah. yeah. So Angel warns Trusilla to get out of town. And maybe it's just because Juliet Landau is amazing in mm-hmm. everything she does, and I love her. But Angel's acting so hard in this scene. It's just—he's really just. I, I get what you're saying. I, I'm, I'm not sure it was as egregious to me, but uh, it's definitely clear who the better actor is in that scene. It's one of those. It's a bit incongruous, and I feel like earlier on in the show, you can definitely see a lot more times where there's some actors who have found the sweet spot, and some actors who are still working. I feel like this was just a bad week for all of them because for most of this episode, I feel like I'm like I'm not watching the characters. I'm watching actors delivering lines mm-hmm. awkwardly. Like there are yeah. exceptions, but this is not a great episode. I think in terms of acting abilities, yeah, or at least not as much for the main cast. Most yes. of, like, the special guest stars slash, like, one-week, one-off people. Spoiler alert, not everybody makes it. Um, That's shocking for a Buffy episode. I know. <laughs> Usually there's just uh, an accumulation. It's like The Simpsons. There's more and more characters every week. Buffy spots Drusilla and Angel talking from the roof, and she's jealous. You would be, especially in high school. Like, you get very possessive mm. as a high schooler. She's on the roof of, I don't know what... <laughs> The, the Aldi next to the playground? I don't know. I mean, like, I, I guess I always rationalize that it's like a tomb or a mausoleum, but this is huge. No, yeah, I don't know what it, like, if it's supposed to be like a school that the playground's attached to, it doesn't look like a school. Oh, yeah, there's a playground. This is a playground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not the cemetery. The no. creepiest playground in no. the world, of course. Right. It's like the playground from the beginning of Are You Afraid of the Dark, but right, it's still right. a playground. Sure, so- Maybe it is the playground for a cemetery, because if you're in a town like Sunnydale, where there's 500 <laughs> cemeteries, and everyone is attending a funeral, like, every 12 hours, yeah. then, yeah, you'd have a playground, because kids got to do something. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Although, like, the idea that really she depressing. would, like, be up high, and, like, looking down to mm-hmm. patrol better, she should use more often. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's really effective. Yeah, especially in the graveyard, where there's, like, lots of places for things to be hiding, like, just walking around, it's super easy for something to come out from around a tombstone and attack you. And they really don't do this until, like, later season six, when Willow telepathically, you know, tells people what to do. Yeah. Right, right. Maybe she should just get a jetpack. Clearly. Yes. <laughs> the most reckless. Uh, let's, ask, let's ask the initiative. I think that's their job. Oh, oh that's a jet- Wait, no, she has a jetpack the very beginning of season eight, the comic. 
like the first page oh, because uh, Joss was talked about like the idea of the comic was like this is the Buffy with like the unlimited budget I can do mm-hmm. whatever I want so yeah. yeah first page they've got jetpacks <laughs> <laughs> that's what a way to start it but you can always say like technology and Buffy doesn't mix and like unless like the technology is so fantastical it could mm-hmm. never really exist or if it's technology that's fused with magic that's that's right. why I, I can I can get away that's why like later on the trio never really bothered me because even what was usually like really high tech stuff it was mixed with magic in some way yeah. which felt more natural right but things like world guns are like what no yeah. it just feels odd they, like, they look funny so they just look yeah. funny mm-hmm. so yeah jetpacks no yeah the next day at school, Jenny and Giles are planning a date, but Jenny won't tell him where they're going. <laughs> Buffy, meanwhile, is still down in the dumps. She's moping. But now it's history class, and I'm so excited because Cordelia <laughs> is in his class. Yeah. I love Cordelia in class moments. Mm-hmm. It's not even that she thinks she's right and smart. Mm-hmm. She's not wrong. Yeah, she's just oblivious. It's not It's not that she's being, like, super dumb about it. She just doesn't get that there are other points of view that aren't her own, in a way. Sure. Yeah. But, like, she can always write a persuasive essay mm-hmm. about this. Like, she has a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, well, it's like, because she's so stubborn and just believes everything that she's saying, which mm-hmm. is pretty great for the episode, because so yeah. many people are... Lying and also might kind of be a fun way to go through life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't you kind of want to have that confidence? Yeah, she's one of the most confident characters. Uh, Yeah, I can't really think. Maybe Spike, in in some ways, is more confident. But that's like the confidence of somebody who's really insecure. You know Uh, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's all kind of an act where I feel like Cordy. It's it's much more like I know I really think that I'm the best. I think Spike seasons one and two is actually pretty. Or no, he's only in season. I think Spike season two. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I think Spike season two until what's my line mm-hmm. is pretty fucking confident. But I think knowing the backstory we learn later on about Spike, where he comes from, I think a lot of that is kind of an act he puts on. And the fact that he's like so romantic, I feel like that's his bravado is kind of covering a more uh, sensitive soul. Not really soul, because he's a vampire. But even when he's a vampire without a soul, he's got, like, the sensitive side that I feel like all this bravado is kind of covering up. Oh, he sure does. Oh, boy. <laughs> You're right. He is romantic and sensitive and oh, pretty. What am I saying? <laughs> and well-shaped in all the ways. Oh, okay. So, so Tara, are you uh, team, team Spike or Team Angel? Depends on the season. Oh. I, um, I, there's just a part of me that will never not love Buffy and Angel together. I think it's the tragedy of it mm-hmm. and the fact that you know it can never work and it's, but they try so hard to make it work <laughs> that it just, it, there's the helpless romantic in me that just wants it to happen. Mm. Then Spike is just, he's just <laughs> different from Angel. And yeah. I mean, Buffy is so different at that point in time too. Yeah. And I think he's what she needs at that time, obviously. Mm. And I just, I love the way Spike evolves, like yeah. with, not a fan of the initiative, but I like <laughs> that whole storyline with him getting the chip. That is it interesting. Was, it was yeah. interesting to see a vampire being curbed by something that wasn't a soul, yeah. but 
made him act like he had a soul, kind of, and how it changed him as a vampire. Yeah, and he definitely has a lot more of an arc than Angel ever really does. Like, not that Angel doesn't have changes, even especially when he has his own show, but it's still, he's still, I kind of always at the default brooding, mad at myself setting. Yeah. No matter what, that's always there. But he broods so well. <laughs> I always think about it the same way, and I feel like this is a common dynamic. Where, like, if you watch Veronica Mars, you've got Logan and Duncan, where Logan is a lot like Spike, and mm. Duncan is a lot like Angel. If you like Hunger Games, then Peta is Angel, and Gale is Spike. And the way I, I think about it, because it's not like I dislike either. I'm happy with mm. both choices. Mm. It's more that, like, if I were the in the heroine's shoes, in choosing the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with, I'm choosing Angel. That is the intelligent choice. Mm -hmm. He is going to be the one that treats me well and, you know, is the healthy relationship to be in. Which one makes for better television? (laughs) Spike. (laughs) And if I want entertaining television, I want the funny, dysfunctional one. Some point, melodrama just gets tiresome. Right. Well, I'm still Team Owen, so... So I hate Xander's line here where he says, hey, if Angel's doing something wrong, I want to know. Because it gives me a happy. <sighs> How am I supposed to interpret that as something other than Xander having a boner? Right. Um, <laughs> there's really no other explanation. I, yeah. Even the way he says it, because it gives me a happy. <laughs> that's also like Who such like... that phrase? Yeah, <laughs> that's like something a 12-year-old would say when he yeah. gets a boner. He, he doesn't know that that's not a fun thing to talk about. He'd be like, look, I'm getting happy. <laughs> Okay, no, sorry. I went to a weird visual place there. (laughs) So Buffy's surprised when a childhood friend appears at school. Billy Fordham, a.k.a. Ford. This is like the worst scene of bad exposition, just Mm -hmm. shoehorned in there in clunky ways. This is the scene I'm thinking about when I think like this episode has bad acting. Mm -hmm. And it's not Ford, surprisingly. It's Buffy and Xander and Willow that are like, I was at school for you at Henry for five years, and Ethel, and I had, like, this, you're just reading lines off a cue card. Ford's, I think, actually selling it. And I, I think a, a good part of that is probably just the fact that he's the guest star, so he has a lot more prep time than I'm sure the regular cast did. Right. Uh, but another thing I don't really like in this episode, the, the whole concept of Ford coming in, it's that old trope that is really annoying. It's mostly in sitcoms, but obviously it happens in more drama-related type things as well, of kind of the old army buddy, somebody that we're supposed to recognize as, oh, this was a friend of one of the main characters that's never been mentioned before. Right. But we're supposed to instantly have all this kind of bonding and this character's supposed to mean something because it's supposed to mean something to the main character, even though it's very clear this character did not exist until this episode. Right. And it's just hard to invest that much into... That wouldn't feel so forced. She also, like, up until this point, never talked about friends even in a general sense in L.A. Yeah. Like, she's bummed about having to transfer schools and having to start a new school, but never really says, like, I have friends that I exchanged letters with, phone mm-hmm. calls, that I miss. Nothing. Right. Well, I feel like she more so implies that her friends were more like Cordelia's group of friends, yeah. where they were kind of shallow and vapid and not somebody who's going to be there for you. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. She may have been popular at her old school, but she didn't have many real friends. Right, right. So that that makes it especially weird that there's this, like... And it seems like they have a real chummy relationship, 
they're like joking about how she used to have a crush and uh but they were super tight after that and it seems like are they, they're supposed to be like the the Willow and Xander of this school, but she's never mentioned him in passing. Even yeah, like yeah. The, her friends, it's not even like oh, it's that guy you mentioned before. It's this guy that's never been mentioned, but apparently means the world to Buffy. So Ford's dad was just transferred to Sunnydale. Classmates in L.A. for seven years. Buffy had a crush on him in fifth grade. The only part of the scene I like is Buffy's moping around to that song, I Touch Myself, but not knowing what the words mean. <laughs> and then Willow realizing it a few minutes later. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what that song means? <laughs> <laughs> Never occurred to her before. I, I I hesitate to ask what else it would mean. Right. Um, just giving yourself a hug. Just holding yourself <laughs> in a sad way. <laughs> I'm not sure which one is sadder. <laughs> I mean, hold your, that's more pathetic to hold yourself, yeah. like, sadly. I know I did this when my first boyfriend dumped me that I literally for three days didn't leave. No, stop. <laughs> <laughs> stop with the face. <laughs> I love that you, that just made you sound crazy because it's a podcast and nobody saw my face. So you just said no, stop when nothing was happening. <laughs> I couldn't allow that face to go on for one more second. No, the implication. No, for three days, I I just cried in my room playing the same song over and over. And I've been kicking myself trying to remember what song it was, but I just, I can't remember. I know that when he he first asked me out, I started playing that song by Eve, I've Got a Boyfriend Now. I was really excited about that. But I remember what our breakup song was. Yellow Submarine. Yes. <laughs> Because you broke up at a dock. <laughs> Cuckoo, could you? No. Um, God, God bless parents of teenagers. Like, I can't imagine if I was the parent of a teenager and, like, she was moping over a high school boyfriend, I'd be like, what the fuck? It's high school. Like, would it matter anyway? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you think you were, like, star-crossed? No, 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 no. It's best that you didn't stay together because, with exceptions, couples that started from high school, not usually the best idea. So Xander's jealous that Buffy has yet another handsome beau in her life. Although, Ford, handsome? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of funny looking, I think. I mean, like, yeah. he's cute, but compared not, to Angel... He's it's... not ugly. No. But I wouldn't classify him necessarily as even more attractive than Xander. Yeah, I agree I'd put them at the same level. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think the show has the conceit that Xander isn't as attractive as he is. I think I, it also has a lot to do in terms of Xander is uh, smoothness. Mm-hmm, but like, yeah. you know, we've established that when he's confident, he his attractive scale goes up. Yeah, mm-hmm. like in the Halloween episode. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. All right. Or, yeah. Also, clothes. It's shallow. Ooh. It shouldn't be a thing. But well dressed people just look better than Hawaiian print. T-shirts, ill-fitting Yeah, patterns. and, like, there are some people who can get away with it, but it's clear that, like, he just doesn't know what he's doing. It's not like, I'm going to do this weird fashion thing. It's like, these are some colors I can put on, I yeah. guess. This fell out of my laundry hamper. Yeah. Right, like, his mom buys all his clothes for him. <laughs> he just wears them. <laughs> or they're, like, all the hand-me-downs from his dad. Oh, yes. That's, I mean, there's a lot of, like, the Paisley stuff that's going on. I wouldn't be surprised. The, yeah. Uh, I also like the, like, Ford, when they invite Ford to the bronze, and Ford goes, oh, would I be imposing? And Xander goes, oh, only in the literal sense. <laughs> I really want to use that line in real life at some point. <laughs> so at the bronze that night, Angel runs into Buffy, chilling with Ford. In this scene, Willow addresses Angel three times, <laughs> and he never even looks at her. He and Xander hate each other openly. 
and he asks Xander who the hell Ford is. Willow's sitting right. This is so mean. Yeah. I'm like, she's the sweetest, and she's always been nice to you. Mm-hmm. And like, you, you just this is like um, same time, same place, but like earlier. Yeah. Well, it's 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 like uh, the fact that maybe it's he's 240, whatever. He's just very sexist still. <laughs> He's still a misogynist because back in his day, it was like, women should not be spoken to. They shouldn't speak unless they That's are spoken to. That's an interesting idea because, like, I bet if you sat there and talked to Angel about some stuff, like, Angel, how do you feel about, you know, people of different races? And especially since, like, he's been dwelling in sewers for decades. It's not like he, he was really involved with the civil rights movement. Yeah. He, he probably is. He probably is going to throw out some random racist terms and not realize that he's being racist. I want to see, like, that episode where they just find out all the weird, old-fashioned things that he still says and believes in that people are like, ooh, that is not cool, buddy. Yeah. That's kind of coloring, yeah. Yeah. Coloring my look of, uh, look at Angel now. Now who's Team Angel? Well, but he did get really upset when Buffy was acting like the 18th century woman. That's true. And he's like, I don't even want to be around. Like, you're so useless, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and it... Yeah. But I don't know why he wouldn't address Willow. She's the, one of the only people who's really nice to him. Yeah. <laughs> Xander is openly hostile. <laughs> Constantly. I mean, he, he does everything short of trying to stake him. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. So Buffy and Ford leave to go get some fresh air in the murder alley. <laughs> Buffy hears a vamp and sends Ford away to get her purse. It's lucky that she, did she really forget her purse? She must have because she was not holding one. Right. So it's lucky that she left that behind. Do you know she definitely had a purse? Because that would be even funnier. It's like, go get my purse. She didn't even have a purse. True. Uh, yeah, that's but, what I kind of thought it was. Yeah. She was just like, oh, yeah, it was luckily just like, I don't have one on me. So. Yeah, it was just that's how bad of a liar she is. But I also think right. it's kind of not the best move. Granted, it probably doesn't get too crowded. But don't send a civilian on their own someplace in the murder alley. Because there's just as <laughs> equal chance that he's going to go to safety in the Browns or get murdered along the way. <laughs> I mean, she can't tell him to close his eyes. Yeah. Close your... I've got a present for you. Close your eyes and hold out your hand. <laughs> that would be alert. Oh, you're back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or she could just, like, I don't know, try to, like, knock him unconscious very slightly. Just be like, hey, what's that over there? Bonk! Gonna take care of the vampire. Oh, you fell. She accidentally kills him. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I hope he uh, was planning something evil. And then she would be very lucky, because... Uh, there you go. Spoiler alert. Lo and behold. He was. <laughs> It was instinct the whole time. (laughs) So he sticks around and catches her staking a vamp and then claims that he knew the whole time that she was a slayer. I get that. No, I don't get any of this. How does he know what a slayer is? It's not common knowledge. I think he's, he's, he's trying to make it assume that he had overheard her talking to Merrick, her first watcher, Mm -hmm. and I guess caught on to it somehow. But I think the more likely thing, given his eventual plot, he probably knows that vampires are real from the vampire attack at, at their old school. And then when he found out that he was sick, then he was trying to research getting vampires and somehow stumbled upon, oh, my classmate who killed a bunch of vampires by the fact that she's a 16-year-old high school student, maybe she's the Slayer, I'm going to go try to use that as leverage. Although that's never explicitly said in any way in the in the in the actual episode, that's just my own personal uh, canon in my head. Okay, so Billy goes home at night to a dark gothic basement thing. We'll find out it's a bomb shelter. 
where a bunch of vamp wannabes are drinking from chalices. Mm-hmm. Could also be a flash dance bar because of the welding going on. You got welding going on at the door, and then you got some dance party downstairs. It's a flash dance bar as well. Dual purpose. Angel arrives at Willow's house late that night. Funny how he couldn't talk to her f- an hour ago, and now all of a sudden he needs her help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Showing up in her bedroom. <laughs> I love the bit where he hides, or <laughs> where she hides the bra. We really weird if he hides the bra. Oh, now that's even going yeah. further. So now he's racist and a secret crossdresser. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he just he just hates women so much he hates bras. <laughs> this is the part that I hate the most. I think most guys do probably hate those things, right? Because I mean, like, it's a love hate relationship. <laughs> it's just in the way, isn't it? Yeah, I but mean, they're like, pretty, but damn it, get out of here. Right. But th- the they can do some lovely framing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if, if you're a really pervy teenage boy, just seeing one in, you know, on a rack can be uh, very exciting. Do you have some interesting evenings with a Sears catalog? <laughs> uh, no, Coles. <laughs> Uh, I like her line here of like, I'm not supposed to have boys in my room. <laughs> so cute. It probably would have been my reaction, too, in high oh, school. Oh, absolutely. Just, oh, my God, you're in here. <laughs> boys weren't allowed in my upstairs. Oh, yeah. And this includes, like, because my brother was older than me, his friends weren't allowed to go upstairs because that would be three feet from my room. Yeah. Just no. I was allowed to go to the drive-in theater, though. <laughs> oh, Parents are dumb. That, that's just a recipe for... For fooling around. Weird side note, uh, last movie I actually saw in the theaters, because I've been horrible about seeing movies this entire summer, was Mad Max Fury Road at a drive-in in Michigan. Ooh. It was, that is, if you can see that movie at a drive-in, do it. It is the perfect venue for that movie. I that, bet. That, that would totally work. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. On, like, multiple levels, mm-hmm. levels too, because cars. Yep. Right. It's, you know, it's a very popcorn-y kind of old-fashioned old action movie in a, in a sense, which is exactly the kind of thing you want to see at a drive-in that or like a kind of B-horror movie. But, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Uh, but back to Buffy. <laughs> right. uh, so Angel wants Willow's help tracking down everything she can on Billy Fordham. To start with, he's not registered at school, mm-hmm. which wouldn't work nowadays because, like, everybody needs an ID yeah. and, like, right. they lock the doors. Yeah. The next day at school, Willow's feeling nervous about researching Ford behind Buffy's back, and Giles and Jenny are getting ready to go on their secret date that mm-hmm. night. But then we have a weird jump to that night. Like, we go, it seems like we're looking at first thing at school the next mm-hmm. morning, because it's the first time Willow's seen Buffy. Also, Ford's around, and he doesn't actually have classes, so I assume he shows up before classes and then skedaddles. Yeah. And then we just jump to that night. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty big gap. It was jarring. It, it does feel like there's a scene missing or that so, they edited something out in some way where it, it just does seem like a weird choice to have beginning of the day, night, and no real transition. Or like, even like yes, an establishing shot of like the sun going down mm-hmm. over the school. Yeah, That's more of an that. angel thing. That is very yeah, angel. Kind of shots. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, so some vamps are breaking into Sunnydale High while Buffy's fighting... Ford weirdly threatens a fallen vamp with a stake, saying, tell me what I want to know and I'll let you go. Buffy shows up and he pretends as if he just staked this girl vamp, which is dumb. I I don't know if it's he's intentionally telling the lie because he knows he's going to be caught and that's part of his plan to be caught later. 
or if he's just so dumb that he thinks that lying and seeing all macho by killing the vamp will be a good lie because he'll never get caught. I'm not clear which one. It just seems like a needless lie. You just yeah. say like, oh, she like punched me or like shoved yeah. me and right. got she away. Right. She reminded me because she's a vampire and I'm just a dude. Yeah. Like the lie that I was able to stake one. The only mm-hmm. thing is that he wants her to trust him to like go out with her on patrols or something, which isn't going to come up. Yeah. yeah, or just to establish how much, like, I really don't like vampires, don't suspect me of otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Got that one. <laughs> well, you know, I thought he was really a vampire worshiper, but then he staked that vamp. Exactly, so, so he no, can't yeah. be. No. <laughs> Cross him off the suspect list. Yeah. It's going to Xander. <laughs> I also like the line that it must be the weather, <laughs> like... The vampires are just, ooh, it's, it's muggy out. I guess I'll go attack some more people. Right. It's a weird, a weird little quip that, that vampires would care that much about the weather. I mean, they have something in common with mosquitoes. They drink your blood. (laughs) That's true. And mosquitoes are come out when it's muggy. So they're related. (laughs) is what I'm saying. But wouldn't there be, wouldn't there be slightly less blood? So it'd be less incentive to out in the muggy weather because the mosquitoes are taking all the blood. I'm, I'm, for some reason now I'm picturing vampires using mosquitoes like pepper because they're full of human blood. <laughs> I guess that would be a nice little like snack, a little, a little crispy. Yeah, like popcorn? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just pop it's those like... in? <laughs> it would be hard to catch them all, but if you could, that would be a great snack as a vampire. You could get a nice variety of blood, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice little crunch to it. Because <laughs> yeah. just having all liquid meals has got to get kind of boring after a while. Right. It'd be like doing a beer flight or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's all positive. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> like, what's happening? <laughs> so Willow finds an address for Ford at the Sunset Club, which is his basement club, bomb shelter, mm-hmm. majiggy. Totally thing. not up to fire code. No. Nope. <laughs> There's one exit. Which seals from the outside. <laughs> and even though it didn't seal from the outside, it's, yeah, it's one exit that's upstairs when everything else is downstairs in a basement. Yeah. I mean, I would think most bomb shelters, that would be the case. Yeah, but they, most bomb shelters, they won't turn into bars. I mean, yeah. That's true. <laughs> Although that would be a really fun location for a bar. An old, like, big bomb shelter. I won't go into bars that don't have windows. Mm. And there's a lot in Chicago. Like, you, I'll walk yeah. by and, like, there's somewhere the windows are blacked out or somewhere there just aren't windows. And I just know. Because, I, I mean, like, anything could... You could walk in and be like, the, the sign says it's a bar. And you walk in and it's like, nope, hostel. The movie, not like an actual hostel. <laughs> Either one, pretty bad. Either way. Don't want <laughs> So, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't go to that. I would need, like, the big picture windows that they open up on sunny days so I can look in and be like, that's a legit bar. I okay. won't get murdered there. What if you just like had a friend scout it out first? Like, like, yep, it's not a hostile situation. Here's the thing. I like my friends, and I don't want them to die. Oh. So maybe I would send in an enemy. <laughs> but then the enemy might lie to you. But if they came back out alive, they at least made it out Unless alive. Unless they made a deal like, hey, I've got this much better... See, this is why you just stay away from bars without window. <laughs> just go down the street, you'll find another one. Yeah, yeah there's, there's plenty. Maybe, do you have a patio? I'll stay out here. Yeah. <laughs> so they run into Chanterelle, who I love. I love that she sticks around. Yeah. She explains that they love the lonely ones. Oh, <laughs> so AKA Vance. 
Which is an accurate name. I mean, they hang out in, like, we mm-hmm. almost never see them alone. The only alone one was Angel. Yeah. Yeah. They, all the rest of them travel in packs and families. Mm-hmm. I guess Dracula, he was kind of, well, no, he had his brides. I can't really think of another one that would travel alone. I mean, mm-hmm. Spike, once he got his chip thing. Yeah, but that, that's, it's very specific. Yeah. There's yeah. none that, like, by choice are like, let's do it alone, guys. Yeah, it makes more sense to hunt in packs and not be lonely. Uh, so these vamps are above humans, exalted. Uh, I like Angel's line here of like, they don't know what vamps are like, what they do, how they dress, and then a dude walks by dressed just like Angel. <laughs> I love it. And it's his usual outfit. Like the, yeah. the red and black is always what I picture Angel mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. You know, not the tan windbreaker. Oh, that was a bad choice. Uh, and I also love that the guy wearing it is kind of dorky. Like, he's got a ponytail. <laughs> he's real skinny. And he's just like a dorky guy dressed up like he's dressed up as Angel for a con. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Diego, by the way, is like one of my favorite characters. Oh, yeah. He's with a sparkle great. cape. A sparkle <laughs> cape, which he obviously lent to Giles so that when Giles opens the magic shop, he can have a blue sparkle cape. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish he had been... And I, I guess it's possible if they bring Buffy back, he could be a vampire in a later incarnation in some way. I would love to have seen him actually become a vampire, because he would have been the dorkiest vampire. Ah! So ridiculous. <laughs> Adorable. Mm-hmm. What's his real name? Marvin? Martin? Yeah, Martin or something. Yeah. It's Diego now. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny took Giles to monster trucks. No. Have either of you guys ever been to Monster Trucks? I have. You have? Ooh, yes. How was that? Yes. I mean, it was when I was younger, so it was super exciting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just like giant trucks crushing things. So as I went with my mom and my uncle, and they just both got really into it. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it as, <laughs> as much as you can enjoy watching mass destruction. It's kind of interesting to see it right in front of you, I guess. Yeah. Like, oh. You know who actually, I don't know if you can, so does this sport it like competes as a monster truck because sports is Tanya Harding. But... Yeah, she owns oh, wow. a monster truck and drives it. Huh. The, does she ever like break the axles of the other monster trucks? <laughs> <laughs> or get her boyfriend, I should say more accurately, to break them with like a crowbar? <laughs> I mean, I think that because destruction is the name of the game, that would be well within the rules. <laughs> That's true. Maybe it's part of like her anger management techniques mm-hmm. or something. There you yeah. go. New way to channel it. <laughs> yeah. Destroy cars instead of other people's lives. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so while the gang researches to find out uh, what those vamps were up to, Buffy spies a picture of Drew and lets Giles know that she's not as dead as everyone thinks. It's weird to me that they, this hasn't come up yet. This is the first time we're, that yeah. we're realizing that the gang has not met Drew yeah. and doesn't, and thought she was dead or wasn't even aware of her existence it just seems late yeah i was trying to remember like because i know her and angel see each other mm-hmm. in the beginning of the episode and is that the i mean does angel not know that she's there until that point i mean i know he knows spike's mm-hmm. there but i'm trying like, to think if they if have, they have met it. i don't i feel like spike either. was trying to keep her hidden yeah yeah you know? because, well because first well, of all she's crazy yeah. secondly she's super weak mm-hmm. Well, and then later when she, when we see Spike and Drew, he's clearly upset that A, she went out, and B, that she talked with Angel. Yeah. So yeah, yeah this is definitely the first time. He doesn't act surprised, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess he, he figured, like, that might be a possibility. 
Yeah, it it just seems like a missed opportunity to make this a surprise for the characters that matters. Like if build she her had up come in some up way. Before, yeah. yeah, before they. Yeah, like, like for oh, them, well, obviously. Thank God that yeah. DC doesn't right. have her with him, and then like when oh, but she is. This is shocking to us. Instead of just like, oh, she was supposed to be dead. I no, she's not. I saw her. Oh, okay. <laughs> Seems like kind of uh, immediately uh, raising the stakes to take away the stakes. Yeah. So just then, that blondie vamp barges in and steals one of Giles's books. Say, so isn't that the vamp that Ford said he killed? Yeah. She's stealing Buffy's uh, stunt double's bad blonde wig. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was actually a book on wig maintenance that she stole. <laughs> Good. You let her keep that. Yeah. That's she a needs gift. It. <laughs> Back at the warehouse, Drew is trying to get a dead bird to sing. When Spike comes in to scold her for talking to Angel. I love this scene. <laughs> I love Spike. I love Spike and Drew. Everything about it. This scene gets an A+. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like in this season versus last season, it's it's actually like a pleasure to see a what are the villains doing scene. Yes. Yeah. Instead of just like, okay, there's going to be a bunch of bragging and, you know... <laughs> Find a new henchman, blah, blah, blah. Whereas this, it's actually, like, interesting character stuff that's happening between the two villain characters. And it's actually entertaining to watch. Not just a necessary evil. Pun intended. Uh Uh-huh. Well, Drusilla's just so fascinating. Because, like, you just look at her and she looks like, still looks like an innocent woman. Mm -hmm. And then you hear her talk. You're like, whoa, even for a vampire, you are out there. Mm -hmm. They really layer in all the stuff that, like, you can see the convent convent aspect. Mm -hmm. You can see the, like, religious upbringing aspect. But then Mm -hmm. you see, like, the evil bitch aspect Mm -hmm. in there, like... It's really... Yeah, the crazy in general. It's a really good yeah. combination. And these things are so funny. Like, Drusilla's yeah. being all weird. And, like, Spike's reaction to her is just so casual and not phased. Well, mm-hmm. he gets a little phased. Now, the bird's dead, Drew. You left in the cage. You didn't feed it. Now it's all dead, just like the last one. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, he gets so so angry dad with her sometimes. Yes. It's, it's very funny. Where He's just like, no, you're... <sighs> You're just being stupid. Come on. Where you just like, you, you see that every once in a while, so a parent just getting so frustrated because they're like, oh, you're just such a stupid little person who doesn't know about stuff yet. And, and that's the, the kind of angry you get sometimes, which is kind of funny to watch. But then he feels bad and says yeah. later, would you like a new bird? One that isn't dead. <laughs> just so blunt about everything. Yeah. yeah. And I, I still wish that this scene had somehow ended in the dead parrot sketch from Monty Python. <laughs> This parrot has ceased to be. So Billy interrupts them. Uh, I like Spike's reaction here. Oh, did we finally find a restaurant that delivers? Mm -hmm. I also like his line where Ford says, I know who you are. I know who I am, too. (laughs) So what? I just realized being a delivery, you just wouldn't be a delivery guy in Sunnydale. You just don't do it. That is Or like you'd have to be armed to the teeth. And like have to get hazard pay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't deliver after sundown rules. <laughs> yeah, I'm only doing the lunch shift. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you just open a, a, you just knock on the door, you have a crossbow in one hand, the pizza in the other. <laughs> uh, so Billy's living out some sort of movie fantasy here. He uh, wants Spike to make it into a vampire. In exchange, Ford will bring Spike the Slayer. Mm-hmm. And I, I like here that they actually address that vampires don't necessarily turn everybody else into a vampire. You wouldn't yeah. want that. Like, right. some people are just food. So Spike has the line of, I've known you for five minutes and I can't stand you. I really don't feature you living forever. <laughs> because that's true. But then who turned 
Harmony. I always thought Harmony was just, like, it just kind of happened, like, during the, because everything was so crazy mm-hmm. during graduation, so maybe. It was just an I, accident? <laughs> yeah. Some, like, whoops. some vamp got, yeah. like, cut, and, like, his blood flew into her mouth, and whoop, now yeah. she's a vamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just an act of desperation. Or I could see it just. saw what was happening, just like, yeah. well, might as well change her. Yeah. <laughs> or it could be, like, a revenge thing. It was somebody who was turned from high school who just always hated her. Like, uh, Cleon of All hated her in the, uh, the what episode. So it's just like, you know what? You're going to be a vampire now. Screw you, Harmony. You're going to hate this. This sounds like it would be perfect for her, though, because she gets yeah. to, like, stay pretty forever. Mm-hmm. Like, if you really want to make... But she can never tan again. <gasps> and, like, the, the self-tanning technology at this time was not that great. That's true. Took a couple years from the, the spray stuff to get better. <laughs> So Angel shows up at Buffy's to tell her all about Ford's culty basement. <laughs> Buffy confronts him about Drew, and then things get real melodramatic here. <sighs> he asks her if she loves him. She says, I love you, but I don't trust you. Firstly, I'm going to argue that you can't have real love without trust. You can have teenage infatuation and <laughs> lust, and teenagers always think they're in love. But it's not real love if you can't trust him. Secondly, two episodes ago, they were conflicted over getting coffee together. I mean, I mean coffee means a lot to some people. She just really likes coffee. I and think it's this a is big why, step like, to go co- to coffee with somebody. Ugh, I think this is why I got so frustrated in that episode. Because in mm. my mind, I'm thinking, we're getting very close to what's my line. Yeah. Shouldn't you guys be like madly in love mm-hmm. we gotta like we have to get to the point where like per- perfect moment of happiness that's coming up guys like so in two right. episodes we went from I don't know should we get coffee to like you're the love of my life which makes a little more sense for her cause she's a teenager but for him that's real weird yeah you're 200 you know better yeah I mean first of all I'll reiterate my point that it is super creepy the whole idea of the vampire romance with a teenager. Like, that's why I could never get into Twilight. Uh, <laughs> that's just... the only reason you could never get into Twilight? And I, I just think Kristen Stewart did better work in Panic Room. Um... <laughs> I, I yeah. have no words. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of Twilight, uh, I'm going to embarrass Karen here. Do you remember, because Taryn and I went to college together. Oh, yes. You did I know a... Me and, me and Josh Perez did a scene from Twilight. We actually, an me and this class. kid bonded because Mike randomly mentioned Buffy around mm-hmm. us both. And I was like, I love Buffy. And our friend Josh was like, I love Buffy, too. And then <laughs> we ended up doing a scene together. And it was pretty... I mean, it was before the Twilight movies Yeah, it was before out, the movies. Like, and the it was, books... Had, I, were I'd just getting them, popular. And I like, was like... Dude, I'm reading this awesome vampire book. Do you want to do a scene from it? And she's like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, all right. Like, why not? It was, you know, the teacher, yes. the class. It was, like, it, was, it, was, it was an adaptation class yeah. where you had to, a bunch of different projects were adapting and certain things. And I one would, of them was to adapt a book right. scene into a play scene. And, and so we were yeah. like, let's, let's do Twilight. And I will, I will say this, though. That first book is a lot better than the other three. Let me... It's just like the first... In the scale of books, I mean, Twilight is at its peak. It's only about here. But the other ones are like here. 
And the first hand was very high, the second hand was very low for our listeners. Oh yeah, for for <laughs> everyone who can see me. And is mortified <laughs> listeners. She has her hands over her face. I, I feel like she's re-contemplating even doing a podcast anymore. Maybe like should she even be alive? Like it's looking real grim over here. So you think it was a good book? <laughs> I mean, compared to the other books, I don't think. I mean, I recognize the various plot holes and the terrible writing. To be fair, when I first read it, I was in high school. What I what always surprised me is like. So at some point, Bella figures out, I think it's in the second book, that if she continues to put herself at risk, that Edward will appear to save her. Yeah. I'm really surprised that there were no stories in the news of girls that would jump off a cliff to get a boy's attention. Mm. Or just to ferret out any potential heroic vampires. My big issue is mostly like the... Sparkles? Sparkles are bad. They're not scary. Mostly... Case in point, Diego. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'm always worried about what that series is teaching women. Yeah. teaching girls. I think it's dangerous. Yeah, a very passive character as, like, the audience surrogate for teenage girls is not a good model. I'm glad I didn't read it when I was younger. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It was, I recognized while I was reading it that Buffy it wasn't good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like one of those things that, it's like reality television show or something where you just watch a little bit and you you know it's bad and you know it's going to be awful and you know it's yeah. like, a, like a train wreck or something but you don't, you just kind of see how it ends even <laughs> yeah, though it course. makes you mad the entire time. <laughs> I understand that as a big fan of Rock of Love. Huge fan of Rock of Love. <laughs> I miss it so much, you guys. I just just miss it so much. (laughs) Like heroin. Why won't it come back? Which a lot of the contestants were probably on. Yes, absolutely. Brett Michaels, you still need love. Do another TV show. I need it. (laughs) Brett Michaels, you still need love. (laughs) He's still single, isn't he? I don't know. Probably. And ready to mingle. Can I go with probably? no. Anyways, Buffy. Oh, right. <laughs> this is a Buffy This podcast? is how interested we are in this, in Lie to Me. Yeah. Uh, so well, Angel, it's about to get to an interesting There we go. This is yeah. Angel tells Buffy how he tortured Drew before he turned her into a vamp. He made her crazy, drove her into a convent, and on the day she was about to take her orders, Angel bit her. That's it. They didn't go any further. <laughs> he bit her arm. We're good. There you go. <laughs> At school the next day, Ford invites Buffy out that night. This is an interesting scene. It's super tense because, like, she knows that she knows more than she's letting on. He knows that he knows more than he's letting on. But neither knows that each other knows that they're... And this is the one scene that I can defend on, like, a filmmaking or TV making level. Because it is actually really interestingly shot. Because they're both acting it actually pretty well. And the camera kind of spins around them, and it looks very isolated in the part of the school they're in. So that kind of adds to the tension where it's you're not kind of sure quite where everything's landing. And you can tell there's the tension you were talking about, but also that there's something else going on that we're not quite aware of. Something's a little Mm -hmm. off-kilter. Willow apologizes for sneaking around behind Buffy's back. I love her interaction with Xander here of, like, Angel was in your bedroom. Ours is a forbidden life. (laughs) (laughs) Adorable. In the cult basement, Diego tells Ford that the Scoobies stopped by. 
Mm-hmm. And then Buffy drops in. She calls Ford a lying scumbag and needs to know why he wants to be a vamp. Uh, and while she's busy roughing up Ford, Diego locks them in. The door can only be opened from the outside. The basement is full of cannon fodder for Spike and his gang. It's kind of a solid plan from yeah. for Billy. Like, he, mm-hmm. he did his homework. So why does Ford want to be a vampire? He's dying. He's got a brain tumor. He says he'll be gone in six months. If he's turned into a vampire, he'll live forever. And my favorite line in this whole scene is you don't have a good choice, but you have a choice. Yeah. Where he's trying to defend himself, and she's like, yeah, it sucks, but don't become evil. Yeah, you still, like, doing the right thing may not make you happy, but it's still the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's just like, how do you want to live your last day as a human? Do you really want it to be sacrificing all these people for your immortality, where you Mm -hmm. won't even be a human anymore? Or do you want it to be, yeah, it's not glamorous, but you were still fighting, Mm -hmm. and I just, I love the parallels between him and Buffy. Just exactly. how, you know, they're both thrust into these awful situations where death is literally around the corner. Mm-hmm. And she has a, I mean, she can physically do something to yeah. fight it, and he cannot. And maybe, I don't know. But then he's just so delusional. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the other side is that of that is she could make the choice to not be a slayer. Fuck this town. Fuck mm-hmm. these people. I want to go be a normal teenage girl. But she chooses to sacrifice her youth and happiness because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. And very possibly her life because, I mean, yes. they, they talk She's about... putting herself in danger. Yeah, Slayer's not having a long shelf life, so... Yeah. Well, and even there was the prophecy that just straight up said, you will die. Yeah. Yeah. She already kind of died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had once on the job. I hope it won't happen again. I mean, okay, yep, okay. <laughs> I don't even know, <laughs> know what to say. <sighs> so Buffy has another strength problem here, you know... We've got that shot that I hate in season one of her not being able to close the fucking door. <laughs> Here, Ford punches her twice, and she stays down. I mean, ser- the first one was a sucker punch. I get yeah. it. She didn't see it coming, and then she, like, fell down the stairs, I think. So, like, that's that's a hard fall. Yeah. But then he just straight up punches her, and she stays down. I mean, how strong could he be? Yeah. He's, yeah. he's got cancer. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. And let, let's say, like, maybe he's not far along enough that, it, like, it's physically weakened him that much. But he's right. still just a regular dude. Yeah. yeah. He's a regular dude. And he just, like, one one shot, one uh, punch knocks out the Slayer. She's shown to be stronger than this in many other instances. Yeah, she can take out a full-grown dude with supernatural strength. Mm-hmm. This is a teenage boy with normal teenage boy strength. Yeah. Could he kick my ass? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I've never taken a punch. I'm a su- I assume I do a bad job of it. <laughs> right. But no, this no. This I felt like it, it, I understand the story reason why she has to be like out for a little bit to have the vampires come in and her not be able to interfere. But I just felt like he had, he they should do something else, like have a weapon or better yet, have some way that he like Traps her in part of the the bar, or like knocks her out with like I can press this button and it releases this curtain, which will like drop a big heavy thing on you, like yeah, something right. that's not. I'm just gonna punch you because that's also part of my plan. Is I hope I'm a really good puncher. He's got a punching bag in the other room. He's been practicing mm-hmm. for just this moment. Yep. It's it's got her old yearbook photo on it, so he's, he's like ready. Like I, you used to be my friend, but I'm ready to punch you. <laughs> So Spike arrives, uh, the vamps start attacking all the culties, 
Ford attacks Buffy with the crowbar. This is like a big what the fuck moment. This goes beyond like, yeah. I, you, this is a means to the end just so I can live. Right. Like this seems personal. And that seems weird to me. Like, he doesn't hate Buffy. You know, something I was thinking about, though, today, because I was rewatching the episode, and I was thinking about how brain tumors, particularly, they really change your personality, mm. depending oh. on where they are. Yeah. And I noticed he didn't have problems with, like, cognitive functions, or and he was moving mm-hmm. around just fine. Yeah. And it didn't seem to be... I mean depends on the size of the tumors, whatever, but he implies that there's quite a few and that they're going to spread really fast. So, I mean, I was just thinking, like, I wonder where, if it's hitting an emotional center of his brain and it's making him really think that this is okay. Mm. That's an interesting idea. I've never thought that. And, like, even kind of colors my whole, my view of the whole episode, because what if his, I mean... I can see the motivation behind his actions of wanting to create this cult and live forever. Mm. But, again... The three of us have the rational side of us that says, but wait, that's wrong. What if the tumor is pressing on the part of Ford's brain that tells him that's wrong? Right, right. And that's that's why this, like, fantasy of becoming the villain has become so appealing to him because it no longer feels wrong. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, frankly... Like a Dracula type character, like we saw Jack Balance playing earlier, uh, pretty sexy. Yeah, that's true. I mean, in addition to being an Anthony Stewart head fan, big Jack Balance fan. <laughs> I like big heads. <laughs> well, it also explains why he's able to lie so easily. Because mm. I, I think an interesting thing about the episode is how, like, like Buffy and Willow cannot lie. Yeah. To oh, say, Willow yeah. lying is just They're hysterical. Awful. Like, They're and Buffy worst. too. She yeah. only tells a few lies in it, but she's really bad anytime mm-hmm. she does. But then I he love just, my purse. Right. <laughs> Ford lies so seamlessly throughout mm-hmm. the episode where he's almost like a sociopath or something, yeah. but it's implied that before he was a really nice mm-hmm. guy. I mean, him and Buffy were the best of friends, you know? So huh. I wonder, just think about that. That's interesting. Oh. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so Buffy threatens Drew with a stake. Spike releases the cult members. Buffy locks the vamps in the basement with Ford. So obviously they're going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And they're stuck in their hotel at least the next night because they don't want to break out during the day. Yeah. Right. Not a great great plan for them to do it that way. I do think it's really smart how Buffy saw the only way out of this. She's not going to be able to individually fight off all the vampires. Even if right. she thought she, like, I have the skills to take on all these vampires, there's no way she's going to be able to save everybody in time. So she sees Drew and goes right for her. Yeah. That's really, really clever. I'm surprised Drew didn't fight back at all. I mean, I guess she's still in her really weakened mm-hmm. state, but she's just like, oh, <laughs> it's happening yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, and she even, like, sees Buffy coming. Yeah, um, yeah, but she just is kind of like, oh, this is happening. Yeah, it just, <laughs> she's she lets crazy. it happen yeah. instead yeah. of tries to fight it, which... Mm-hmm. So later at Ford's grave, Buffy wishes Ford were a more traditional villain and therefore easier to hate. She wants everything to be black and white, good and evil. Billy rises and she stakes him. I was actually confused the first time I watched it. I I didn't realize that it was Billy and I was like, okay, so she killed some (laughs) random vampire. Okay. But I kind of like that they never give you the opportunity to see him looking human at all again. Like when he comes up, he's just that demon right Mm -hmm. away and she doesn't even have to think about it. That's true. I do like the mm-hmm. fact that it's not, she would never question that. Like, this yeah. is my right. duty. Like, again, yeah. Buffy's sense of right and wrong is so clear to her. Like, I may not, I don't want to stake my former best friend, mm-hmm. but it's what's right. And therefore, I won't hesitate. I'll do it. Yeah. Although one thing, and it's not really 
something that I think uh, you would need to worry about at this point. But it does become like a moral question later when they realize, kind of, they figure out the magic of how Angel gets his soul back. Shouldn't we be trying to like do that to some of the vampires? Like, because if they got their souls back, then they wouldn't be horrible monsters like Angel, presumably. Mm. So... In order to do that, though, that orb thing that Mm -hmm. they get, there was, like, one. Oh, okay. I guess, yeah. And then the the other way that a vampire gets his soul is really, really difficult. But you'd, you'd think they'd, like research that at some point yeah like try to find out can we do this yeah or like, like oh old gypsy curses can't do that yeah <laughs> or like a way to cure vampirism I, I know it's probably like well that people have tried before and they failed but it's interesting that's that's never brought up considering that we have a vampire who is good nobody thinks of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> dang it <laughs> but like so he was like hey I, uh, I have a cure for vampirism um so you guys weren't like killing any right Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. You're murderers. <laughs> it's interesting that like every zombie movie mm-hmm. almost always treats becoming a zombie as if it's a, a pathogen. There's mm-hmm. some sort of virus that we can cure. Yeah. But never vampirism. I guess usually vampirism is, I think, more like demons and magic and stuff. It's definitely more mystical in nature because it's not just I bite you. Yeah. If I bite you, then you bite me. Mm-hmm. Although, I am legend, they kind of make it more like a virus. Yeah. Oh, that's I'm, true. I was yeah. confused of whether that was vampires or just well, zombies that can't go out in the daytime. In the movie, they make it seem more like zombies, mm-hmm. but reading the book, um, and in the it Vincent spreads Price different. Version. But yeah, yeah but um, from what I remember from the book, they, the guy, the main guy is like, yep, mm-hmm. they're vampires. Oh, okay. yeah. Definitely vampires. Yeah. <laughs> Will Smith wouldn't acknowledge that. No. <laughs> That's another sad one where they changed the ending, but that's for our later podcast on I Am Legend. <laughs> the legendary stacks. Bonus episode. <laughs> so what's the lesson in Lie to Me? I think it's about life not being black and white. People aren't all good or all bad. There's always going to be two sides to every story. It's going to be the sparkly side of the cape and then the not sparkly <laughs> side of the cape. And the velvet side of the cape. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I love those last couple lines, Giles' line, mm-hmm. to yeah. hear about how, that's what everyone wants to hear, like you want to, yeah. especially when you're in high school, and that's when things that feel like just seem so overwhelming sometimes, mm-hmm. even though, yeah. in retrospect, they're not, but yeah. at the time, you're like, and Well, because you don't you have the frame of, the experience, the wisdom, the frame of reference to yeah. to deal with the fact that the bad guys aren't wearing black hats, and right. the white guys don't, or the white guys, the... <laughs> <laughs> okay, Angel. <laughs> And the good guys don't come riding in on a white stallion, right. you know. Well, I, I just love those lines too, like leading into the next mm-hmm. episode. I think they're they're pretty yes. great because it's, it's a nice little yeah. connective tissue. Yeah, Mike. Anything else you'd like to say about Lie to Me? No, I mean it's 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 an okay episode. It's got definitely some interesting concepts in it. It's just not terribly well executed. Uh, well, I think my my feelings for it are more intense because I have a little bit more of a personal connection mm-hmm. with it. No. That it just like I mean that last scene between Ford and Buffy and yeah. just makes me cry. <laughs> just, sure. like, yeah. you know, to see somebody that helpless. Um, I, I mean, I, I recognize that it, it does have its flaws. So. <laughs> but that that scene is actually pretty well acted on both. Yeah, parts. yeah, like, yeah. Sarah Michelle is definitely like that's her, the best part of this episode. It's a really good scene for her overall. And then uh, the guest actor for is is really solid in that too. I'm really impressed with him throughout this episode. Like a yeah. lot of the guest stars are not the best. Yeah. That's why they're not you know major characters. Mm-hmm. But 
Ford does a good job, I think, in all yeah. of his scenes. I'm really impressed with him. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And you do end up feeling some sympathy for him. You don't agree with him. Like, you, right. you still side with Buffy of like, no, you shouldn't be doing this, but you get it. And it doesn't feel super forced. Yeah, yeah. Because there, there are a couple times, like, with his scene with Spike and everything, where mm-hmm. you're like, who is this guy? Yeah. And then, I don't know, just finding out the backstory mm-hmm. just kind of rounds him out. I've always been very meh on this episode. Um, yeah. To me, it just reeks of, oh, shit, we have a spot to fill before we get to what's my line. <laughs> what are we going to do? Because I think the vampire, the idea of the vampire cult is weird to mm-hmm. me. It just doesn't fit with the rest of the show, especially in a town where, like, so many people are completely clueless about mm-hmm. the supernatural. And then, like, Ford, I want to feel lots of things for him, but the fact that we only meet him this once, and yeah. almost yeah. immediately you find out that there's something shady with him, mm-hmm. that I just don't have time to become emotionally attached to him before I find out he's a bad guy. And his his backstory is really touching, but by then I've known for the past half hour that he's a douche. So yeah. right. I'm too focused on, like, that's sad, but you're still an asshole. Mm. <laughs> Your actions are horrifying. <laughs> does not justify anything. Yeah, and, and then, it almost seems like the cult idea would have worked better if it was more fleshed out. Or, if, like, that actually seems like an idea that fits more in in the show Angel. Yeah. Yeah. I could see it working there better. Well, it just seems like in L.A. everyone's a little bit more aware of the vampire mm-hmm. thing and that it would be easier to research them. And I mean, it doesn't yeah. surprise me that there's random groups of people who are super obsessed with them and who yeah. idolize them. But it seems but weird then, that they don't really know that, that they don't know real, anything about them. Like, or how, yeah, how they are yeah. in real life. I actually feel like because Buffy is campier. Yeah. It should actually end up being more like that South Park episode where they have the vampire kids that drink mm. tomato <laughs> drink juice and yeah. chop. Like th- I mean, that's what this group should be. Is yeah. They just yeah. we think vampires are cool and mm. like not necessarily super knowledgeable. About they did them. miss the opportunity to have somebody with really bad fake vampire teeth in. Yes, come on. If like if. If Diego was trying to talk with those in as well, <laughs> and Sparkle Cape is just got his teeth in his mouth to, so he could be super sexy as a vampire. I remember at one point seeing like a 20, 20 or 60 minutes about real life vampires, yeah. but mostly, but it's about people that choose to drink each other's blood. Not to the point of emptying a body, like they still no. need food to survive. But they think it does something. Yeah. yeah I, there's this obscure, like, B movie called The Vampire Clan that I watched in high school. It's like, uh-huh. you know, it was one of those ones you find for a dollar somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was supposedly based on a true story of these group of kids who decided that they were vampires and actually ended up, like, they ended up murdering people. They, they went, they, they took yeah. it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was like, that's what they did. They like drank each other's blood. They're like, oh, you're, I'm so thirsty. Here, have a drink. And like, it was, you're, you're not getting anything from that. Yeah, and except maybe disease. You know, yeah, you're you, not, that like, might actually really hurt yeah, you. No. Yeah, it's, it's really trippy. No. <laughs> Glad I was never one of those vampire no. kids. <laughs> but, I mean, if you like drinking blood, do it safely, do it responsibly, keep listening. Get it tested first. <laughs> uh, also, the bangle stuff in this episode is just so overly dramatic that I'm not interested. Mm. I, it, I think that... You've got the one good scene with Spike and Drusilla, and the rest of it, just throw a fucking pie. Like, and, <laughs> and this could be funny. You've got a vampire cult. This could yeah. be a yeah. funny episode, mm-hmm. and it's just, 
It's not campy enough for me. Yeah, they could have. I mean, I felt like they were kind of hinting at it, especially in the first scene in there when uh, Ford is like quoting the movie in the background. Mm, yeah. And it's just all the people there ridiculous but mm-hmm. that's just it they needed to be a little a little bit more. a little more clueless yeah 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 definitely okay it's time to put lie to me back on the shelf and open the books on the dark age so some nervous guy is running around campus at night looking for giles <laughs> He's being chased by a woman with leprosy named Deirdre. It's a very British name. Although I think my favorite part of the whole opening is that we actually see a Sunnydale janitor at the high school working. <laughs> because as we've established... He found his keys! Yes. Like he found his keys! Yay. Oh, thank goodness! It's just... It's such a jarring sight, like... I think we've seen janitors in the background, but they were never working. He's yeah. actively emptying out a trash can, so it's like, wow, they're actually working. Although it's outside at night, so I feel like, not a good move, buddy. Right. Do the outside stuff at, like, dawn. Right. Yeah, lock yourself in that school. Yeah, it's just like, lock yourself in and do the clean. Maybe he just really hated the aerobicizing that was going on. It's just, Can you could overhear music. that. And it's just, I don't care if I get bitten by some kind of monster. <laughs> so Deirdre catches this dude and chokes him. She then melts into a blue pool of goo. Alex yeah. Mack style. Yep. <laughs> Alex Mack. But I also think that that puddle of goo reminds me a lot of Capri Sun. So maybe yeah. that's the real evil Oh, of yeah. Capri Sun. In the commercial, didn't they turn into, like, yeah, Capri? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. they, they slow <gasps> yeah, around, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they do yep. that, and then they reform. Actually, was happening. Yeah, so that's um, Capri Sun is actually the the, uh, the drink of Igon. <laughs> Sure. So the so more you drink it, the more you're supporting. They're like soda created the Cloverfield monster. No. There's really? a whole backstory to Cloverfield that I I'm, I'm saying this knowing nothing, but I think if you look online, Ugh. there's a whole and like they it's cool because they they pepper this stuff in in the background of shots. So like if you rewatch the movie, you can see news stuff about chemical spillage into anyway huh sure the hudson whatever and you know questions about illegal dumping by this soda corporation and there's a whole backstory i'm speaking out of my ass i have no idea (laughs) that just seems so lame that it's like and i know there are legitimate problems with companies and like there's been problems with uh like say a coca-cola type company mostly in other countries doing really horrible things as far as dumping and processing and manufacturing but it does sound super lame. It's like, how was your monster created? A soda company. I, I mean, I like the idea of peppering that stuff in and not, mm-hmm. and like you having to do research to find it out. Like just it's not making it obvious. Because yeah. I'm perfect. I love Cloverfield. I'm perfectly happy with just the story as is of just fucking monster crawled just out of the Hudson. That's enough for me. It's scary as fuck, and I love that movie. But the idea that there's more is is cool. Anyway, so what are we talking about? Blue pool of goo. <laughs> Capri Sun. <laughs> Buffy and Giles are robosizing, and therefore yeah. they don't hear this happening. Which is is kind of uh, messed up when you find out that basically Buffy uh, inadvertently killed this guy by listening to really shitty music. Yeah. Although, to be fair, the guy realized the door was locked and just kept pounding on it rather than running. Yeah. And, I mean, Deirdre wasn't moving too fast. No. It's, yeah. It's, 
come on, come on, put a little effort into yeah. it. You know, there's got to be another door. Oh, I did like the kind of the whole EC Comics vibe of this whole opening, where it's like the slow lumbering, looks like a zombie type thing coming at some business guys. Cowering in the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the next morning, Buffy and Willow are playing anywhere but here. Uh, thanks to this show, I play this game often. Usually on Facebook, I'll say, any. okay, it's another round of Anywhere But Here. What do you got, guys? Amy Yip at the water park. Obviously. <laughs> is Amy Yip an actress, or is this like someone from their school that I don't, don't know? know I, think, I think it's someone from their school. Okay. Because I, I, I feel like if Amy Yip was a very attractive celebrity actress in the late 90s, given my age, I would have been aware of her. Yeah. Fair. That is fair. So Giles assigns Buffy to accompany him in guarding a medical transport that night. Meanwhile, Giles and Jenny's relationship is blossoming. She basically says, let's bone this weekend. (laughs) I like how forward she is. Yeah, Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Although I I, I do miss the fact that she didn't actually straight up say, let's bone this weekend, Giles. (laughs) I mean, unless you say something like, oh, I, hopefully I can make you squirm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I trust I gave good squirm. <laughs> Ooh, that's not Which, that's that's your, <laughs> If that's your technique, uh, buddy, you got some problems. <laughs> I, I mean, what's interesting here is that because these, I mean, this is the only adult relationship at this point that they're able to do In stuff like senses. this. They wouldn't... I mean, none of the teenagers can have this kind of wordplay or these kind of innuendos because they're teenagers, and that would just creep me out. They should be holding hands and talking about, you know, <laughs> going on dates to the movie theater, not... You're getting a malt with two straws. Oh. <laughs> so I, I like this. This is... It's different, and I, it's good. But the police are waiting for Giles in the library. That dead man from the night before was carrying a slip of paper with Giles's name on it. At the morgue, Giles identifies the body as a friend he hasn't seen in 20 years. The man has a tattoo that Giles claims he doesn't know the meaning of. It's the symbol for when Prince didn't use the name Prince, clearly. (laughs) He's a big fan. Yeah. Okay? I know someone that has a Slipknot tattoo. It's a thing that you do when you like... uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I like how we're both so concerned about it. Like, like, Never going to regret that. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That night, Giles is MIA for the medical supply transport. So this is the first time that Buffy... First and last time Buffy has to deal with this, right? This would be, like, a weekly thing. Yeah, it seems like, oh, we have this really cool idea of, like, oh, they they have blood transfers at the hospital. Vampires would go for that. Let's put that in. And then they just kind of forgot about it. Well, even Angel... So I assume that, like, it's... Never really been a problem because Angel shows up. I assume not to steal the blood, but he actually like has been defending this mm-hmm. transport for a while, right? Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. Well, maybe the purpose was to root out who was working, which vampires had infiltrated the hospital, because I don't know. It's, it's kind of reaching. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was just like we had to have something that wasn't tied to like the big bad, yeah, but that was vampire yeah. related that Giles would miss. And they just didn't put that much thought into it. Yeah. So Buffy fights the vamp stealing blood and gets Angel's help to do so. Later, when she checks on Giles, he looks all disheveled and possibly drunk. <laughs> I like how he, as soon as he is upset, he grows five o'clock shadow. 
instantly. Magic. Stops wearing his glasses, so he mm-hmm. looks a little more rugged, too. Yep. The uh, Shades of Ripper there. <laughs> I did date a guy that grew facial hair so quickly that he shaved three times a day. This is proof that I'm a totalitarian girlfriend because I don't like facial hair. So she's <laughs> like, no, you could never grow that out. You're going to shave three times a day. I like a smooth wow. cheek. Yeah. Well, I'm I think that's, that what, really that's what uh, my fiance Tyler would have to do. if he. I mean, mm. right now he's got a big old beard. But like when he is clean shaven, it's he only shaves once a day and it's awful for my face. I just like... It's, it's terrible. <laughs> you can never kiss again. Yeah, well, that's when like just grow your dang beard out. Yeah. <laughs> it's eventually it's just no softer. One expecting. Yeah, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. It gives you a little cushion. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rest my head on the pillow that is your face. Yeah. And just so any of you lady listeners know, I have a beard. No, is that weird? It came out a little creepy. A little creepy vibe. Trolling on the podcast, are we? Yep, that's that's me. That's my my secret agenda for this whole podcast. Who needs Match.com? Instead of OK Cupid, you're doing OK Slayer. (laughs) No? Possibly be the site for the band Slayer. Maybe your friend with a slipknot tattoo is on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is going to be 90% laughing. 10% Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) God, no. That would be the worst podcast ever. (laughs) So back at the morgue, dead guy comes back to life. Did we ever learn his name? Who is this guy? Philip. Philip. Yeah. That's right. Philip. I'm bad yeah. with names. Yeah. That's why I call everybody he, Sweetie. <laughs> I can't remember. It would be weird for character names. And then Sweetie wakes up with goosebumps eyes. That's why it's Dead Guy and Leprosy Lady. <laughs> Worst superheroes ever. <laughs> so, at Saturday Detention, Buffy interrupts to get Ms. Callender's advice about Giles. Cordy mentions casually that she saw him talking to the police yesterday and he seemed just fine then. <laughs> I love how oblivious she is that, of course, that would be something strange. People usually talk to the police, especially outside detectives. <laughs> well, even during the scene, she has yeah. just no idea what's happening. Yeah, I would argue that in Sunnydale, people do talk to police all the time about dead people, so this is mm. business as usual. <laughs> <laughs> well, why make a big deal out of it? Yeah. Buffy catches Ethan Rain creeping around in the stacks. <laughs> He's in the stacks. <laughs> it's one of the few times we actually like go into the stacks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we spend most of our time in there. Oh yeah. We're in between a bunch of books right now. So if you if you're listening, we find home, Ethan. Hi Ethan. Hey Ethan. You better Hi. run fast. Buffy's catching you. <laughs> so I know everyone has a big crush on Giles. Taryn, do you are you on of the Giles? Course. Okay, I'm not. I, I like him when he when he goes a little rugged though. Just like and you see like what a he bigger was. Ripper fan than Giles. Yeah. I think there's something wrong with his face. <laughs> he's got that, that sweet Jack Palance action going on in his face. It's, he's it looks like he's had cheek implants and had like his eyes done. He just has a big face. Well that's why I only find him attractive at certain moments, I guess. Like when he mm. I don't know, with his glasses on and everything, he's just a little too Old plastic? Librarian. He looks like, plastic. I don't think he's really I, had plastic like surgery, weird, uh, but I just think his face <laughs> is weirdly shaped. I think he looks distinguished, like he comes from a, a long line of 
British nobility. I think he and holds that. himself very distinguished. Lee, I guess. That would be an adverb. I mean, I will say, anytime I'm attracted to him, I'm always surprised a little bit. I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah, I don't think okay. he's objectively handsome. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, objectively, I would love for him to be an uncle or my mentor. I like him as a character, but I don't get the sexual attraction to Giles. I do, however, get sex- or, uh, get attracted to Ethan. Yeah. He's pretty. He's he's a, he's a pretty good looking gentleman. Yeah. He's <laughs> really creepy to me. <laughs> no. In fact, I think he'd make a good James Bond. That, that I'm a villain. And James Bond. I mean, sure, maybe, but also just James Bond. No, he's too it. he's too Timothy Dalton and not as as rugged as Timothy Dalton. I think he's more Pierce Brosnan. I don't get that. Pierce Brosnan was too too fancy, too too uh too refined and to, and to me I think that's Bond. like James Bond and I'm granted I'm not a big James Bond fan, so mm. probably my opinion means nothing. <laughs> but like when I think of James Bond, you always think of like, you know, the ordering the martini and he's in a tuxedo. So he should look super refined. And then all of a sudden he can super kick your ass. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the my, my personal appeal of, of a, a James Bond and why I don't think Ethan Rain, uh, I forget the actor's name, it's very good. Why I don't think he would make a good James Bond is I think the core of the idea of James Bond is a guy who at his heart is kind of a brutish animal in some ways that he is very aggressive that's why he literally kills people for a living but he has all these levels of refinement to kind of keep himself in check and to like almost to cage the beast and then he lets it out and that's why well that's why i think most people find sean connery to be their favorite bond because he has a lot of that like natural kind of brutishness dalton and rain have the same thing where they just seem a little too evil and it's not evil it's it's just a, a kind of animal nature, as opposed to, like, a slimy nature. Okay. I do like the line here of when Buffy says, Honesty, nice touch. <laughs> Nathan says, It's one of my virtues. Not really. <laughs> and, like he, like, he really thinks about that. Like, oh, well, that was a lie. <laughs> Buffy calls Giles to ask about Ethan. He tells Buffy to run. But just then, leper dead guy breaks in. Ethan tries to run. I love this, though. Cordy stops him with a kick to the groin. (laughs) Like, she doesn't even hesitate. He pushes Xander out of the way, and she just doesn't miss a beat. She just takes him down. Mm -hmm. The more I watch this show, the more I realize what a strong woman Cordy was. Because I always think of her as, like, the traditional damsel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But even in Halloween, she every time Buffy was like, the man will take care of us. And Cordy's like, what's that risk? (laughs) What the hell? And I also like how when she kicks him in the groin, it's not played for a cheap laugh. It's just yeah. like that's how it gets taken down. Yeah, and I mean that's, that's well, that was the first a, thing she thought of to yeah. do. Like yeah. it was just her. Cause well, because she doesn't have superpowers. Yeah. He's yeah, a bigger yeah. guy, and yeah. this is like, I mean, self defense courses mm-hmm. straight up tell you kick him in the groin. It's not a dirty mo- move. You're smaller than yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just I love when Cordy's randomly helpful when yeah. she's just on her way to becoming more of a Scooby. It's yeah. just. Still, my favorite part is when she in uh, in Prophecy Girl when she bites a vampire. Yes, yeah, you like it. <laughs> Still, my favorite part. Uh, so Buffy traps dead guy in a cage. Giles arrives. Now he's taken on the Ripper personality. He threatens Ethan, looking pretty badass. Now he's now the hotness factor is upping. Dead guy breaks out, knocking Jenny unconscious. He then starts convulsing. 
dies and turns into blue goo, blah, blah, blah. which leaks on to Jenny. Yeah. But not, I mean, like, the special effects touch her hand, but then... That's it. I mean, like, I get that you can't do pra- you can't practically turn someone into goo. You yeah. need to use the crappy special effects. Mm-hmm. Once the transition is complete, take some blue goo and pour it on yeah. the floor so it looks real. Yeah. Yeah, make bu- some blue food coloring into soap for good. Like, yeah. you can do this. It's not hard to make blue goo. Nickelodeon's been doing it for decades. Yeah, don't use antifreeze, but there are other things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it looks so much faker when you see just the, the up-close shot of the CGI touching her. her and then, yeah, yeah, like you said. Yeah, when she stands it up, it's not, like, on her. She yeah. doesn't have to wipe it off. There's yeah, no practical yeah. anything to it. So that's that's actually one of my biggest problems with the whole episode. Those effects are so bad and so poorly thought out. That it takes away so much of the threat of the villain. And usually that's not a big problem for me. I can get over bad effects. But for some reason, because the idea of this is supposed to be such an intimidating thing that it makes normally a very strained and reasonable character like Giles just completely break down, it, it just doesn't work when the effect is so goofy and dumb and bad yeah. that the, the villain isn't scary. It just takes you out of the, out of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Giles takes Jenny home. With him gone, Buffy takes charge and rallies the troops. She does a really good job here. I like Mm -hmm. that she's not just becoming a better fighter. She's becoming a better hero. Yeah. Right. She's a leader, not just a soldier. Correct. Exactly. Well, I love the moment between her and Giles, too, where Giles Mm -hmm. is really, like, I feel like one of, for one of the first times asserting that, no, I'm the adult, you are a student, you have mm-hmm. to stay out of this yeah. aspect of the relationship, which I think gets blurred so frequently in the series. Um, yeah, and they, I think they bring that up more interestingly later on, but it's nice to see it even earlier being that kind of that tension. Yeah. Yeah. Will is on the net. Uh, Xander and Cordy head into the stacks to do research. This is only notable because Netflix fucked with my brain on this. <laughs> so... You know, the the image that Netflix shows for this episode is of Xander and Cordy hugging. Now, this is the very short moment where when a dead guy breaks out of the cage, Xander pulls Cordy safely out of the way. Mm-hmm. <gasps> but that made me think, oh, is this the first episode where they start peppering in that relationship between Xander and Cordy? Mm. No, no, it's not. Yeah. That's a that's such a weird still to use because I know what you're talking about when they yeah. do the stills yeah, of episodes, yeah. and some of them are just kind of generic, like oh, two characters in the hallway. Sure. But that's a very specific pair to use for that. Yeah, it, I mean, and just... why not show a picture of Giles? For this is a, one of the very <laughs> few episodes. Yeah, yeah, a Giles centric episode, and you don't show Giles. Like, wow, big big uh, diss to Anthony Stewart, giant head. Netflix fail. <laughs> Willow finds info on that tattoo. It's the Mark of Igon. Igon, take me away. Calgon reference? Yes. Okay. That's a cleaning thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so for any of our listeners over 40, I hope you enjoyed it. (laughs) Igon possesses an unconscious host, giving that person a euphoric feeling of power or a high. (laughs) If things go bad, the possession can become permanent. Igon can also possess the dead, but not for long. Ion has to jump to a new host eventually. This means that their dead guy must have jumped into Ms. Calendar. 
at Giles' place, Jenny is hitting on Giles pretty hard here. Mm. He resists. Uh, she's been injured, and he thinks he'd be taken advantage. Does concussion make you slutty? I mean, she was into him before the concussion. I, I think evil demon makes you slutty. Right, but yeah. I'm saying, like, the idea that, like, he'd be taking advantage of her weakened state. She wanted him pretty hard before I, the concussion. I think it's more like, oh, if you have, like, something you hit your head, maybe you're just a little out of it in general. So, like, sure. doing anything that would be, you know... You, you wouldn't want them driving a car. You wouldn't want to have sex with them for the first time. That, you know. I mean, I understand being like, sex is probably not a good idea. You have a head injury. You should relax. Mm. But I don't think, I, the taking advantage thing, I'm like, you're not taking advantage it's of It's a little her. dramatic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think it's the best idea to, to have like your first intimate moment. I didn't th- say that he should go for it. I'm saying he's not taking advantage of her. Okay. Semantics, I understand. Right. They, he definitely should not have sex with her in this moment. Right. She just had a head injury. Yeah. But she's a grown-up and knows what she's doing. Uh, Igon does not like rejection, though. He, she attacks Giles, but Buffy arrives to save the day. Igon decides to go after Ethan instead. Buffy explains uh, his background as Ripper. At 21, he dropped out of school and ran away to London. Fell in with a bad magic casting crowd. See, drug use. Randall couldn't control it, and the demon killed him. Not Randall. Right? <laughs> it makes you think of the bad guy in Monsters, Inc. <laughs> so, where the fuck has Ion been for the past... Igon been since the, for the past 20 years? 20 years between Randall dying... And Deirdre showing up. And we know because Giles makes a list of people, there were not Mm -hmm. more people in between Randall and Deirdre. Yeah. So, what the fuck? Okay, two theories. One that I know can't, doesn't make any sense, but I think it would be really fun. Time travel. (laughs) Three theories. (laughs) Uh, So, time travel. Second one is that maybe they only thought Randall was dead. Turns out he wasn't. He just was... uh, they, they, somebody else found him and they, he was in a coma for like the last 30 years. <laughs> or they, uh, just messed up with the story, which has a much easier way to explain it that, cause they, you know, took on the, uh, the spirit of Ion who couldn't possess the dead or the unconscious, that the first one of them to die, Igon would take over. You know, they take care of Randall and somehow um, there's nobody around for it to take over. But the next person who dies, that gets the spirit of Igon. Oh, and then Deirdre got hit by a car. Yeah, or her, you know, had a Her leprosy finally caught up with her. Yeah. So that would explain it and that would make sense. And it would only take one more line of dialogue, but they never explain that. That would make so much more sense, or even just, you know, have something like, oh, uh, Deirdre is experimenting with the magic again. But there's no explanation. You're right. It's just... Yeah, that's what I was wondering. If it was like, it li- was living dormant in her, yeah, or all of that. which they never But then, but Giles does magic, and it never... Well, I guess he only does a little bit. I mean, they could at least explain part of it by... The- they say... They make a point of saying, if the possession goes badly, it can mm-hmm. be permanent. Yes. So, if they had left out the goddamn line about Igon killing Randall, yeah. he could have just been possessed this whole fucking mm-hmm. time. And I don't yeah. know what he's been doing for the past 20 years. Yeah. They were able to contain him in the cellar and he got mm-hmm. out. But that would at least help me. But the yeah. fact that he specifically says, Igon killed oh, Randall. 
that gives me an idea for something that would make this even more like interesting episode for Giles is like, what if Randall got possessed and they committed him? And that's where he's been for 20 years. So that's why he has even more guilt. Cause like his friend, they ruined his life, basically turned him into a demon and just like put him away somewhere because they didn't want to deal with it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then that's what actually comes back to haunt him instead of like, mess with this thing and this guy died and now it's back for no reason. Right. And well, unless Deirdre had been dormantly possessed since the But again, they don't explain it. Well, also, I And Doc that... Brown showed up in the DeLorean. And that and Marty jumped out. Well, I was just confused about how <laughs> Deirdre's body got to Sunnydale. I mean, I imagine she lived in England. Yeah. And yeah. They, they established... Like, I would, I would not, even in a pre-9-11 world, I would not let that lady on a plane. <laughs> Never. No. With, like... Well, and also, why wouldn't she off? have, like, puddled out before then? Yeah. yeah. You know, like... She's going to withstand the entire time there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she could handle it for longer than the other guy, I guess. Needs explaining. At Ethan's old costume shop, Buffy goes to protect him. Ethan explains that their tattoo acts like a homing beacon. He then knocks out Buffy and ties her up. He's going to... Tat- amateur move, Buffy. He's going to tattoo the mark of Ion on her, so the demon will attack her instead of him. And then take off his own tattoo with acid. Buddy, you can simplify this plan. If burning off your tattoo with acid works, and Igon is no longer interested in you, which we know it works because we see Igon sniff him and then move on, you don't need to tattoo Buffy. You and Giles can share that bottle of acid. It'll hurt, true, but you'll live. And eventually Igon will expire. Why haven't they done that already? Why haven't they gotten their tattoos removed? Right? Why did it take they twenty had years, decades yeah. to do it? Literally, and I'm, I'm sure the maybe the tattoo removal technology back in the seventies was shitty. I don't know, but by the nineties, they'd gotten it all right. Buffy's going to do it with her allowance. Right. Yes. So, like, it just seems like a really dumb, short-sighted move on everybody's part. That like, eh, I'll just leave it. It only, you know, encourages a demon to possess me. But it makes me look so cool. Yeah. It's right next to my Slipknot tattoo. Oh. <laughs> Gotta oh. remember the good old days. You know, when our buddy died after we possessed a demon to go <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have that memory. And I, yeah, and it, make, it, it does seem in the episode, like, this will make the demon just stop chasing them. I think it could have been better explained as, like, oh, this will make it harder for the demon to find me, but it still will. Yeah. Right. As opposed to, like, well, this acid's off, gonna go after her, and I'm free to go. <laughs> Back at the library, the gang's still researching. The only way to kill the demon is to cut off his head, so that's out. (laughs) Xander and Cordy come super close to either kissing or fighting, but Willow lays down the law. I love these moments. Yeah, tough Willow. (laughs) So if they give the demon a new dead body, that doesn't really solve the problem. Mm -hmm. But Willow has an idea. Dot, dot, dot. Igon arrives at the costume shop and goes for Buffy. Giles shows up and offers himself in order to save his slayer. Suddenly, though, Angel barges in and attacks Jenny. (gasps) Oh, no. He's going to kill Jenny. But no, the demon jumps into Angel. (laughs) Why were you so sad? (laughs) Foreshadowing. (laughs) Oh, okay. Oh. Oh. 
fair. No, yeah, no, you caught that and we didn't. Well, yeah. can we can we give spoilers? I mean, the well, show's been no. out for we're yeah. years, so I guess we're, we're, this have... is not a spoiler free show. We okay. assume that everyone's watched okay. the majority that's, of the yeah. series. Yeah, and and those uh, most of the bigger plot twists. Like, right, right. Yeah, that's I also think it's more one. interesting to talk about these episodes in, in view of the yeah, whole. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So the demon jumps into Angel, who's dead. Mm-hmm. Angel's internal internal vampire demon fights the Igon demon and wins. I love this. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty, pretty It's so clever. It's well, so I mean I never saw this coming. Like yeah. Yeah. I I've no I would yeah. not have thought of this. Mm-hmm. I mean Willow is a genius, so yeah. I'm not like upset that I didn't think of this first. <laughs> but I also li- I just I, I don't know, the idea that, like, internally this is happening inside Angel is mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. 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 There's there's something just viscerally very, very interesting about it where it's not just finding the amulet that will trap him. Yeah. Or, you know, the typical ways you defeat a supernatural villain um, by casting the spell. It's, like, it's, it's this very primal thing of, like, no, I've got a demon in me. It's going to just, like, destroy you. So come on, come on, come on, take take me on in my body. I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah. Well, I just love that he can use his evil side for good. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so awesome. That's cool. So the next day at school, Buffy is going to use her allowance to get her tattoo removed. Two things here. How big is your allowance, my dear? <laughs> you have a single mother who works at a gallery who's constantly talking about bills she has to pay, mm-hmm. You, if you have an allowance, I did not have one, if you have an allowance, it is not enough to get a tattoo removed. That shit is expensive. Unless she's just going to pour some acid on it. Ethan Rain method. There you go. <laughs> Start her own company. She's a big bubbly scar on her back for the rest of the series. Oh, I should have brought that up at career day and What's My Line. That's her future career is removing tattoos with acid. <laughs> Second problem... If you're trying to hide a tattoo, don't wear a tank top. Right. Yeah, and like the spaghetti strap, no less. <laughs> yeah, like she wore that thing out of the house. Yeah. When her mother saw her that morning. And even if like, okay, she's at school, her mom's not there. If someone at my high school had a big tattoo on their back and like was walking around school, shit would get back to your parents. Yeah. yeah. Like that would be a big deal in high school. Nowadays, no. But high school, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it just seems like such a weird... Like, you don't have a t-shirt? Yeah. I mean, short sleeves would have been she fine. She only owns spaghetti strap tank tops. Probably, I mean, and if you've seen her jackets, wardrobe yeah. for the season, spaghetti strap tank top, mini skirt, boots. Borrow something from Willow. She has yeah. many Scooby-Doo t-shirts. I'm and sure you have sweaters. <laughs> In California, where you really need sweaters. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another reason I think Giles is so cool. He's like, I'm going to wear tweed even though it's 80. Because that's just how badass I am. Three-piece suit every day. I don't no, care. that just means he is smelly. Uh, no, he has a delightful British musk. <laughs> Old Spice. <laughs> Unfortunately, Giles and Jenny's relationship is clearly strained. Mm. She is not eager to share his company any longer. It's so sad when he... He like yeah. he like reaches to like touch her and arm she and she just kind of backs up. Oh, it's so it's I mean, so I get sad. it. It makes me sad, yeah. but I get yeah. it. I do. Yeah. So, what's the lesson in the dark age? Grown ups are people too. Mm-hmm. They make mistakes and they do stupid shit and are sometimes short sighted. Yeah. Also, Can't the Bay City people. Rollers are fantastic. 
Yeah, that was that was a weird line. That's a weird choice. A T U R D A Y night. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No. That's a weird choice for Giles to like, given is, what we know yeah, about him at the true. age he would have been. What music are they listening to in Band Candy? Like when they're listening to his oh, records. Oh yeah. This is not I, my type of music, I, so I wouldn't know. I don't think it's Space City Rollers. I mean, it's no. definitely not. It is definitely like Hendrix or something like that. Yeah, or like yeah, yeah like Hendrix or like Sex Pistols, something in that like kind of like a cool older rock thing. Something maybe along the punk this lines. Sex maybe. Pistols, British. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. That would have been a much better choice than Space City Rollers, which I get <laughs> for the joke of it, but it's kind of like tangent here. What I really don't like about the last 15 years or so of The Simpsons is when they do jokes that are at the cost of the character's identity. Right. And that's what that this feels like, where it's mm-hmm. a joke about, like, well, you know what this character's like, so this would be dumb for them to like, right? And it's like, but no, like, character comedy should come from what we know about the characters. Especially that's where the comedy that's comes from. that's what this whole episode was about, yeah. was Jazz's dark side. Mm-hmm. And, like, Sex Pistols would work on another level mm-hmm. because, like, Buffy may not like it because it's older music. And it's definitely yeah. not her jam. It's yeah. nothing, mm-hmm. like, we've heard or listened to. And also, it has the word sex in it. Yeah. So you just heard an adult say that. Yeah. 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 An adult who's just, like, her, like, father figure. Yeah. Oh, it would be what? so, no. like, Ugh. Don't say that word. You're yeah. not allowed. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Agreed. Basically, rollers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, don't do drugs and worship demons. Right. It's mm-hmm. probably bad. Yeah, especially together. You want your head in the game when you're worshiping your demon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mistakes can happen. Mm-hmm. Clear-headed for that one. Yeah. Don't don't drink and worship. Uh, well, and also kind of cheesy, but you can't run away from your past. <laughs> It'll come back. Literally. I mean, Philip doesn't attack you as a leprosy version of your old friend. <laughs> Could this episode be like a morality tale about STDs? <laughs> It's the It Follows of the Buffy War. I mean, right? He got into drugs yeah, with a bad he crowd. Was sharing things yeah. with people. Right? It came back to haunt yeah. him. Yeah, and when he got in a later, new relationship, yeah. right as they're about That's to have it, sex, it they had tears oh, apart. Yes. Oh, yes! They had sores on their face. <laughs> <laughs> there was a blue discharge. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's it! That's what it really is. <laughs> I got the syphilis of demons. (laughs) (laughs) Done. No, that's canon. Uh, Okay. That's canon now. So, should we do international title roundup? Please. Uh, It's going to be real disappointing this week. No. Yay? (laughs) Nobody had weird titles this week. I was hoping for something about. Blue goo or something, but no. For uh, Lie to Me, there's the episode title in Finnish, Liar, in German, Death Wish. Both very similar to the title we have. Both lines said in the show, just like Lie to Me. And then for Dark Age, the only real different titles, again, Finnish and German. In Finnish, it's The Powers of Darkness. Just kind of generic-y. Yeah. yeah. Lame. Even uh, the Dark Age, though. Generic-y. Yeah. yeah. Kind of lame. Uh, but at least, like, that one, it you get that it refers to his past. That's, like, the other meaning of it. It's, yeah, I agree. It's pretty lame. And then the German title, The Mark of Igon. Very literal. <laughs> yeah. Very, the Germans Wait, like their literal like, titles. <laughs> the Mark of Igon episode. <laughs> this is the one with Blue Goo. <laughs> That's the, the summary movie. on their TV guide. Yes. Mark of Igon. This is the one with Blue Goo. 
Dusty, be good. Now it's time to celebrate Buffy's badassery with this week's Slay of the Week. I think we can all agree it's clearly Angel beating Igon. I know it's so cool. It's, That's it's yeah. pretty pretty epic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, what what else would even be in competition? I mean, yeah, there's not that many. I like the way that she kills Ford, but I still think that would. Yeah, I just think it's I mean, such a it's something we hadn't seen before. Yes, yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's it's one of the most interesting ways to deal with the demon in the entire Buffy verse. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the hands down winner. Even in terms of special effects, it's not terrible. Yeah, and it's better than any, any of the other CGI effects you see in the episode. Yeah, yeah. I well, I, I overall I like Igon's makeup. I like how it progresses. No, the, the practical on, uh, stuff on is Jenny Callan. I think yeah. hers. I mean, and they clearly spend way more time on hers than everyone yeah, else. Is. Yeah, yeah, hers yeah. looks great. Yeah. And yeah, you want her to be recognizable. You don't care what Deirdre looks like. It's like if that doesn't look like the actor, that's fine. Right. Jenny also does a much better job with it than the other actors. No offense, other mm. actors, but yeah. like. Everyone else just kind of looks like zombie. Yes. Well, she did, her physicality is it's very. Because she was alive, and the other were bodies, oh, and she was maybe, earlier maybe than we saw it. any of the ones like really turned. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Everyone yeah. else you saw after fashion. That's a good point. I just really like like she. Yeah, physically she, yeah. she changes yeah. from Jenny yeah. to the yeah. demon. You can see it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she's got this kind of like fluidity that makes sense for Jenny, but it's kind of. Twisted in a way. Yeah, Yeah, there's something really off about Mm -hmm. it that's inherently just creepy. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Sunnydale Stacks. Please like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sunnydale Stacks to ask us questions or share your own opinions and memories about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher, and join us next time when we dust off What's My Line Parts 1 and 2 when we get lost in the Sunnydale Stacks. No, 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 this is such good cat food.